Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today I am interviewing Erica Hepperly. Erica and I connected in a mastermind over these last six months, and I have loved getting to know her and learning from her. And I just knew that she would be somebody who would bring such great value to this show. And the more I got to know her story, the more I knew for sure she was somebody we had to bring on. So I absolutely love her title. She is a feminine embodiment and intuitive lifestyle elevation coach. Love that. I love everything about that. She's on a mission to help you live an aligned, authentic, and abundant life in your mind, body, spirit, and soul. She coaches women to internally heal themselves through an introspective journey in order to reclaim your self-worth, find your purpose, and create your dream life. It is Erica's mission to help you embody the divine goddess you are in a life that you are obsessed with. You're going to love this episode. We dive into all things, masculine, feminine energy, healing, comparison, learning how to live in more abundance and freedom and really just embrace who you are and let the world see who you are and all of the beautiful things that come with that. So she dives in, she's very vulnerable with her story. And I know you're going to love this episode. Welcome to the show today, Erica. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having me, Marsha. I'm so excited to just jam out and to talk about some juicy things. Yeah, I know it's going to be one of those good episodes when I'm like, I actually have to start hitting record because we've just been chatting for it, which is all good, right? <laughs> so it's all good. Let's start with where are you from? I am originally born and raised in Redondo Beach, California. It's south of the LAX airport. And I now live in uh, Denver, Colorado. Nice. So you get to experience winter. I do finally for once. Everyone's like, don't you hate the snow? And I was like, well, no, because I've never had it my entire life. I just lived at the beach and it was always 65 to 75. And now I actually get to have some snow. But the best thing about Denver is it'll usually snow. And then the next day or two, it's like bright and sunny and beautiful. So you have like the snow on the ground, but you also have the sun. So I love it. I love the change. The change is good. I do like warmer weather. We already talked about that, but I do like the warmer a little bit more. Uh Are you a reader? And if so, do you have a book that has been impactful for you? Yes, I am a reader. Um, I usually am one to be reading a physical book and then like three audio books at the same time because like... 
I have to keep one physical book or else I get too distracted. But the audio books, it's like sometimes I'm just not feeling that genre or that topic and I want to switch something. So mm-hmm. I would say two of the most, I'm going to go with two okay. of the most influential books, um, which are probably never have been mentioned on here before, but one is called Pussy, a Reclamation. And it is by Regina Tomhauser. She is the creator of the School of Womanly Arts. And then the other book I love, um, I mean, these are just a few. I like The Alchemist. But one also that's different from a lot is one called Existential Kink. It is actually different than it sounds. It's about shadow work and how we really quote unquote, get off on our dramas um, until we can start to recognize that um, our dramas are, are a part of us and until we, until we can really stop to s- stop rejecting them and make them a part of us, um, they're going to continue to linger because we quote unquote have this like get off um, mindset on our shadows. Okay. So we're actually going to go right into this area because I think that's fantastic. And you're right. They have not been brought up, but I know there's a lot of juicy content behind that topic alone. So we, a lot of humans are addicted to drama. We're addicted to what's going wrong. We're addicted to the news. We're addicted to the things like that. Is that something that you came through in your life? And that's why the book resonated so much for you. Yes. So for me, it was always, and Marsha will know this because we were in a mastermind together and it's the thing (laughs) that came up, but money and men, and I just kept talking about it for the five days straight were two drama areas. I loved, I loved the drama of chasing money, like never having the safety of consistent income. Like when I was in corporate life, I left, I would say a month before I was about to get a huge bonus because I couldn't stand it anymore. Then I went to a minimum wage personal training job, got to the top tiered trainer where I was being paid the most, stayed in that position for only about a month until I left and took all of my clients private. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I was really starting to grow and make money. And I decided, well, mm, I'm going to go and go backpacking through Asia, Um, spent all my money, came back. And it was like my clientele was getting picked back up again. And then uh, right when I had just like around the same amount of money I always had, I decided to pick up my life. And um, with about $300 in my account, and leave to start a whole new life in Denver. So I was notorious for creating that drama of money <laughs> in my life. Um, and then men, I just loved, 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 loved the drama of emotionally unavailable men chasing the men again. So chasing wow. was my MO. I was going to say, so chasing is the MO. So where did the point come where you went? you recognized it and went, no, I don't want to do this anymore. What was that like? Yeah. So it was when I, I think the, I'm trying to remember the timeline, but I'm pretty sure it was, I read pussy reclamation first and then existential kink second. And, um, I started to realize there was all this like work hard, do more, to achieve mentality in my life. When I read the pussy, reclamation 
Imagination book. And it really just talks about pleasure and joy and really living this life of ease when you can come into alignment. I was like, whoa, I never even knew that was a thing. So then I was like, how did I not know that was a thing? So I looked up my mom and I realized, okay, well, she was an accountant. She was a penny pincher, you know, you owe me $2 and 32 cents type thing. Um, and so then that was, that created the awareness. Um, and then I also was like, well, if money happened and stemmed from my parents, then where did they get it from? So I started to go back and I started to see my ancestral lineage or my generation to generation and realized that it was passed down. And then I was like, whoa, if money is that, maybe it's nothing to do with me when it comes to men. Maybe it's passed down as well. And so I started to look. My dad and mom got divorced when I was two. My mom's mom uh, divorced her husband and it just continued down the line. There was a, there was a generations of uh, work hard and I don't need no man type uh, belief system. So that was from the book, that book. And then from Existential Kink, I realized, whoa, but I'm addicted to this drama because it's all I'm used to. That's what is quote unquote safe for me because the unknown of having security with money or having men that are secure is so foreign that it's not safe because Mm -hmm. I'm not used to it. And so I really got off on this idea of, I never even knew what safety was. My parents were divorced when I was two. I'd go back and forth, or I should say security. Um, Safety was fine, but security. So I'd go back and forth from my mom and dad's house. I'd go Monday, Wednesday, moms, Tuesday, Thursday, dads, every other weekend it would switch. And so it really started to show up uh, after that book in my life that I enjoyed or was familiar with the chaos. And I think that that's such a level of awareness that a lot of people don't recognize. And sometimes I say, when you go back and you start looking at relationships or girlfriends you've had, or, you know, just people in your life and you start seeing the pattern over and over and over. And it's like, oh my God, like I've been doing this my whole life. And it's not Mm -hmm. to make us feel bad, but it's to make us realize that we actually do have some control in how we show up, what we do, because we do have some choice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. It's, it gives us, it, it almost gives us our power back. Like, I used to say, oh my God, what is wrong with me? I suck. I can't save money. I was really good at making it, but like to save it, nope. I would like have this drama. I would get to my last like $200 and be like, ha ha ha, how can I spend it? So then I'd be like shopping on Amazon for like sticky notes and shit. Like when I had $200 left in my account. And so, and then with the men, it was like, oh, what is wrong with me? I'm going to be single forever mm-hmm. until I realized it just was the power was in my hands and I could change this story by going inward, doing the inner work and breaking free of this uh, ancestral story or ancestral belief system, I guess you could say. Now, is this something that continued to play out in different ways? Because I know that you had some, I've seen some of your reels and some of the videos and you had, like you competed in bodybuilding. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So what was that time like for you? And how old were you when you did that? 
Yes. Yeah, so I was working in corporate right out of college. So it was about maybe 20, 22, I believe. Um, and I had gone backpacking through Europe for two months after college, after graduating from college. And I decided like through that time, like my story then was very much about like, again, I guess the drama, like I was chasing confidence. And so for this, um, I used alcohol through college a lot to really mask my insecurities and to show up as my liquid courage. And, and from that, um, I was always the friend that blacked out, always the friend that had to be taken care of. Like it was, again, I just enjoyed the lack of security or I just was familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And so when it came to, leaving college, ending my backpacking trip, I had gained about 65 pounds in about five years over the course of five years. And, um, I remember coming back home and, and I didn't really have a job yet. And so I was living with my mom and I went to go step on the scale and I looked down and it was a number that was just like gut wrenching, like riveting to me. And, I was so depressed. I just broke down in tears and I was like, enough is enough. You can't keep waking up blacking out. Um, I had been, you know, in really awful, scary situations because of alcohol. Mm -hmm. I had been arrested multiple times because of it. Like it was not a healthy place for me to be. Mm -hmm. And so through that, um, I decided to go and start CrossFit and really start to, um, like get healthy, quote unquote, I was eating clean, but I was eating like half a salmon. (laughs) Like I was eating whole potato. Like I was just eating a lot and, but I was eating quote unquote clean. And so it was just taking a really long time. And so I was like, there has to be a better way to do this. And coming as a, growing up as an athlete, I wanted something that was challenging again, something that would bring my focus back to, to competition. And so I remember having a friend in college and he was competing. So I reached out to him and he introduced me to um, one of my really good friends now. Her name's Katie Corio, and basically introduced me to bodybuilding, and we went through that whole thing. So I did that for from 2015, uh, 2014 until 2017, um, and I was forced to end my bodybuilding career. I should say pause it because I feel like there's no end to anything. You never know if something will come back in your life, but. Um, because uh, I was gaining about two pounds a week for about 16 weeks. I wasn't, I didn't change anything in my nutrition. I didn't change anything in my workouts. I remember looking at myself in the mirror during workouts and just breaking down in tears because my body was in so much pain. My joints ached so bad and I just like hurt so much. And so I went to, six different doctors. Um, I went to like one of the top doctors in Los Angeles for hormonal issues and it was a nightmare, but I basically ended up having to go to get an MRI in my pituitary because they were thinking, they thought I had Cushing syndrome. Um, and it was quite the thing, but something within my heart and soul told me to just reject every medication, uh, you know, pharmaceutical medication. 
and find myself in a holistic, on a holistic path. So I went to like acupuncture, Chinese herbalist, naturopath. I remember at one time I went to my endocrinologist and he was quote unquote top in the, in the, in Los Angeles. And he gave me a sheet of paper that said, here's your diet. And it was just all like vegetables. I was like, where's the protein and the fats? He's like, just eat this and you'll lose weight. I want you back down 20 pounds by the time you come back. Cause I gained about 65 pounds through this process again and came back, had gained another 20 and he wanted to put me on like fentermine, something I think it's like a weight loss drug. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so through that process, there was just a lot. It started with, uh, again, the drama coming off of the chasing, chasing the confidence, chasing the body image, chasing the attention. And it ended up, uh, it ended me into a place of starting my healing journey, starting this journey into where I am today. Wow. That's it. So did you, were you able to repair your health at that point on your own with changes that you made? Is that what you ended up doing? So I tried for about, I think it was like eight months. I went to like sprouts and whole foods and I researched and I got the herbs from there, but uh, my body was past just like those type of herbs. So I found um, a relief like high-end acupuncturist Mm -hmm. in uh, Venice Beach, California on Abbott Kinney. And she was so brilliant. And she was also like a Chinese herbalist and uh, millions of things. And she basically like guided me back. I didn't have my period for three years, um, all through bodybuilding, And after eight months with working with her, I got my period back and I've had it consistently like every 28th to 30th day on the dot, um, for the past like two years now. So yeah, I went through and healed everything and now I just get, uh, checkups, blood work checkups about every six to eight months. Wow. I that's, thank you for sharing that with us because Mm -hmm. I've seen your posts and it's so interesting because I, I mean, I, I've been part of the fitness world my entire life. So I see that. And I, that is a big part of what I see, but I don't always see women like happy with where they are, not a weight, not a, like not a number, not a size, but you don't always see it. And you can see it in your, like where in your journey, cause I I've only known you in these last six months, but you can see yeah. that. And it's just, you, you just are so you, to me, you exude confidence with where you are and in life in general. And I think that that shows and people see that, but what a lot of people don't always understand is that like, you don't, you don't always just have confidence. You have confidence because you keep going up and doing the work and showing up and doing that. So what has that process been like for you, for you building confidence in yourself again? Yeah, that's an amazing question. I would say just a little note in there. I want to go off of just what you said was, yeah. Um, at 5% body fat, I was dead inside. I had zero confidence. I remember I would go out to maybe like dinner or the bars with my friends. Um, I wasn't drinking, but I would have to cover up my arms with like jackets because I was so uncomfortable in my body. So at 65 pounds plus, maybe it was like 35% body fat all the way down to 5% body fat. 
I never had confidence. It was always, how can I get smaller? How can I get smaller? How can I get smaller? Even at 5% body fat, I wanted to get smaller. And even with confidence, sorry, I wanted to ask you if where your confidence was at 5%, because sometimes we chase something thinking that's going to be. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say I was cocky, but not confident. Like Mm -hmm. I, if that, if that makes sense, like cocky was, oh, how did you get that way? And I would respond with, it doesn't matter. You're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. But I would pick apart every single portion of my body as I stared in the mirror when I was by myself. Mm -hmm. And so the journey really was, I really believe so strongly the universe knocked me on my ass. Mm -hmm. I remember just nights and days of being in bed and crying of tears, so embarrassed to put clothes on. Remember I had, I fit none of my clothes and my friends wanted me to go out and I wore all black and I had workout leggings to go out. And at that point, my acupuncturist again was, was huge. So to go off of your question of where did my healing journey, how did it work? How did it happen? It started with just getting out of the gym and walking clear. It was like really as simple as letting go of food rules and walking. And I, it seems simple, but I fought with tooth and nail walking outside to me was so foreign. And I'm sure Marsha like has known me for six months. I'm always walking outside now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can relate to you for so many reasons. So yeah. yeah. Um, and then it started with, well, why don't you try yoga? Just don't do hot yoga. And I was like, oh, but regular yoga, that's like not a workout. So I rebelled and I did hot yoga. <laughs> it was tooth and nails. But then I started to like, I set myself up for 30 days of yoga And she said, okay, as long as you just stick to more of like the yin ones, more of the slow paced. And so I really had to unlearn all of, or I would say just let go of all of the programming I had established and all of the rituals. And I mean, I didn't even have rituals at that time, all of the rigidity that I had adopted. And then something just within me, like sparked. And at that yoga studio, it said something about the new year and there was going to be a sound bath. And mind you, I came from partying. My roots are partying. And so it was like that switch in me, like, I don't want to party anymore. Like, like I did. And I had given up partying through bodybuilding and stuff like that. But, um, so I couldn't get into the New Year's Eve sound bath, but I promised myself I'd make it to the New Year's Day one. And that was the very first healing modality besides, I guess, acupuncture and yoga that I had started to get into. And then um, this lady, her name's the Copper Vessel on Instagram. She's amazing. She's a sound healer and a Reiki master. And she started to do sound baths all throughout Venice beach, California. And so I would just go to hers and she went to, she would be at these meditation studios. And so I was like, Ooh, I want to try these different classes. And so I just started to open up my mindset. I was looking up and it was like Akashic records. Hmm, what the heck is that? I don't know. Book. And then it was uh, intimacy workshop, like learn how to become intimate with yourself. And I was like, Oh my God, I think I don't have intimacy seat book. And I just started to go to all these workshops by myself and get super uncomfortable. And I would say like in a year, I probably went to like 75 to 
a hundred different workshops. Some of them were like repeating the same things. Like I would go to different sound baths. Then I went to breath work. And so that was kind of my journey in um, Los Angeles. And I had then hired a holistic gut and hormone health coach where she really helped me like like become an like intuitive with my eating. And then I started to go to Agape Spiritual Center. It is Michael Beckwith's uh, spiritual church in Los Angeles. And so I went there every Sunday by myself. I, it was kind of far away because it was in like Beverly Hills and I had lived in Redondo, which is a, like a whole foreign world in LA. um, But anyways, it, I went there by myself and I just started to run into people that I knew. And I was like, whoa, a lot of people go here. And then that led my journey to Asia and Bali um, and Vietnam. And through that process, my holistic health coach was just like really about letting go of food rules, learning to love your body, learning to love who you are. And uh, I feel like this is long-winded, but no, very no, much. I, <laughs> awesome. No, I just. Okay. I decided um, while I was backpacking through Bali, Australia, Vietnam, my money story started to come up like crazy and it was really hard for me to be present, but I promised myself at the end of the trip, I was like, I'm going to get to find what presence is again. And so something within my soul said, get your ass to Denver. And I was like, what Denver? Who do I even know in Denver? What's in Denver? Um, All I knew was I could not go back to LA. I'd been there my whole life and I just needed something different. I needed more healing. I needed something that was going to get me out of my comfort zone. Um, I was living at my mom's house at the time. I needed to get out of there and just grow and thrive. And I was personal training. So I was waking up at like three or four o'clock in the morning in Los Angeles and going to getting home at like 10 PM at night, um, trying to work on my online business. And I just knew that there was more for me to give in the online space rather than just the hour I could give as a personal trainer. And so I decided to, um, at that point, give up all of my clients in, in person and, it was, I think I got back to Los Angeles after that backpacking trip in, on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And then on February 10th, I had packed my whole car and had $300 in my account and decided to road trip from Los Angeles through Utah, um, to, or th- through Nevada, through Utah, and then to Denver. And I ended up staying at my beautiful um it was my stepmom's uncle's cousin's house. I stayed in their basement for about six months. Mm-hmm. And in that process, I met or I had come across this woman, Julianne Vaccaro, who is a somatic therapist and sexological body worker. And I did a container with of that for seven months. And that was like the peak or the the real pivot point in my life where everything just started to make sense. I started to heal sexual traumas and wounds. I realized everything was interconnected. I started this transcendence process. I started opening up to really being really open to whatever was going to heal me. And yeah, it became this really expansive process and 
started to come home to myself, but I was still, I needed to integrate that. Well, that's heavy work. And so I signed up for where Marsha and I met for uh, Transcend Academy and was like, okay, I, I, I know I want to be something greater than just a health coach. Um, and I want to do the deeper work. And so I went through that process and then, you know, Ashley has helped me a lot in meditation and just, I now live on my own. My, uh, business is banging and booming, but, um, I think living on my own also has helped me really sit with my shit and really heal and really see my light and find this sense of freedom and this sense of home. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the gist of my healing journey. There was a lot of dark days. Um, there was a lot of times I had to cancel clients when I was a personal trainer and just go back home in bed. There were times where in bodybuilding where I'd taken too many fat burners and my heart would beat was a 200 beats per minute laying in bed for hours, hoping that I didn't die. And like, maybe should I go to the hospital? Um, there was a lot of darkness, but through that, so much freedom and light. And yesterday I just had my first like feeling of pure and utmost bliss where nothing, like it seemed like the world had stopped Mm -hmm. and I like almost lost touch of my body and tears were streaming down my cheeks. And all I felt was my breath and gratitude and bliss And it was like the best feeling I've ever experienced. And it was just in the midst of my own home, sitting on my floor in my bedroom um, in a meditation. So, oh, it's beautiful. Did you anchor that in? Did you do your anchor? Because like, oh, no, I didn't. (laughs) You're listening to this. You're like, what? Okay. We learned about anchors and how you can create an anchor for yourself when you're at that peak state. And as I'm listening to you, I'm feeling like, oh, I love that feeling. Like, and you have those fleeting moments. I have those moments where it's just like, I am so damn grateful for everything that is where I am right now. And, and I just love to sit in it. And like, and does that mean it's so funny because does that mean that life is perfect right now? No. Does it like, and that's the thing I think that we lose touch of in thinking that things have to look a certain way in order to feel that. And I actually think you have to feel that to be able to like change how everything else is around us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's the, the number one thing is people always think I'll, I'll have happiness or I'll have joy or I'll be, I don't think a lot of people really they say they want to be in bliss, but bliss is something once you feel it, you're like, holy shit. Um, but like when I get X, Y, and Z, when I achieve yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And I would say there's still a lot of areas of my life that I'm working on, but holy crap. Yesterday I was like, wow, this is what it means to feel so much. This is joy, Mm -hmm. meaning that it's not externally based. It's so within who I am. Um, that's beautiful. That's why, yeah, that's why like you and I both preach or speak or, or just stand so strong behind the inner work because you don't know what you don't know until you know. Oh, you don't know what you don't know until you know. I love that. Yeah. 
And you know what? The inner work, we're going to tie it back to something that you and I started talking about even before we recorded. But when you do the inner work, no one has a clue how much inner work you've done, right? Like one of, and I'm very open in saying one of my triggers is when people will say, it's easy for you because you're strong. And I'm like, oh, if I just have to hear that one more time, it drives me bonkers. No, it's mm-hmm. none of it's easy. I just make that choice every day that this is how I want to show up. This is what I want to do. And I think that's the thing is, is that we fall into that trap, which means we also fall into the comparison piece. And we were talking before, I think you have a lot to share in this realm. Can you tell people what it's like when you're in that chasing feeling and you're in comparison and you're in this healing journey and comparison? Because I have thoughts about how the two look differently. I would just love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. And I love um, the one thing you said there, one of my friends once said she hates, it's almost like it's not a compliment when people say um, you're so lucky or um, what did she say? Did like, cringe, she just said that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that you're so lucky. Yeah. yeah, you're yeah. so lucky. Or I wish I was had what you had. And she's like, no, because she, and she's a friend that I've had that works her like literal tail off for everything she's ever accomplished. Like nothing comes easy to her. So yeah, I just wanted to relate back to that. But with the chasing in comparison versus um, what you said was really good. Chasing in comparison versus healing, like where you're working on healing comparison. How do you see comparison differently in both scenarios? So I just think there's something interesting there. Yeah. So, okay. The chasing and comparison, I would say comes from an uprooted chaotic space of toxicity. So what I mean by that is it comes from wanting what others have to fulfill voids within yourself. And so it's almost like, I would say, I'm just, this is coming to me, uh, is a dream, right? Where you're in a dream And I've had these before, so I don't know if you have, but you're like trying to like, someone's chasing you and you're trying to run into your house up these stairs, but like you can't do it and you're moving so slow and the the person chasing you is getting closer and closer, but you're not moving and you're like, oh my gosh. Um, And then you wake up and you never achieved peace, right? Because you never had the answers because Mm -hmm. you were chasing something that wasn't for you. It's like clawing at air, if that makes sense. You're you're never going to get anywhere because it's not what your soul desires. We're all here on these sacred soul assignments or these sacred soul contracts to bring our gifts into this world individually in the way that our soul is supp- it wants to express them. Mm-hmm. And so we all have these gifts. And so um, last little point on the chasing com- and, and chasing and comparison is you start to create judgments of others around you, or you start to feel anger or, um, 
jealousy boil within you because you're wanting something that they have that you don't, but you don't even know if like, once you have it, if it's even going to fulfill you, mm-hmm. it probably won't because it's not, you don't have it for a reason. It's not your sacred soul contract or you don't have it for a reason in that point of your life because there's still more lessons to learn. Yeah. And so when you get to this point of healing, I was just talking to Marsha about this right before we recorded. I thought of this thing yesterday or it was yesterday or the day before where I was thinking about, I got caught in like in a, in a split second, right? Cause we're still human. We're not perfect. Right. Um, where I was, I think it was probably like scrolling through social media or something. And I was like, Oh, if only I could be there now or, Oh, that person like got there quicker than I did or whatever, whatever it was. I don't even remember what I was like in because the lesson became so much bigger than remembering what the comparison was. Um, and like something stopped me in my tracks and I was like, no, I don't have this thing because it's not fitting for my soul. And so it's like thinking about trying to put like when you're wanting someone, something that someone else has, or you're comparing yourself to someone else, or you are, um, in this place of jealousy, it's like going to your friend's house when you're a size eight pants and trying to put on her size four pants Mm -hmm. and trying to go out to a birthday party or an event, a concert, you're going to feel so uncomfortable in her size four pants because they're not made for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's six, four in size four and you're five, seven in size eight. I'm saying my own stats. So um, nothing to do with the size of the pants, right? Like exactly. Yeah. Nothing to do with size. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And so the fact that what you would be so limited, because imagine there was at this concert, your partner, your dream partner was there, but you were so focused on your you know, the the guy next to you or your friend's partner and your uncomfortable jeans that you never saw this, your dream partner that was a two rows in front of you because you left early and you needed to go change your pants. And so it's like, I use that, that example for your soul's contract. If you're so focused on what other people are doing or how they're achieving or what their life looks like. One, you don't know what it took to get there. So you don't know their story. Two, you don't know if they're struggling behind the scenes and they're just putting up this facade on social media. And three, most important is you're missing out on something greater, right? We learned, Marsha and I learned, if not this, something better. Mm -hmm. And so when you're so focused on maybe the fitness business that your friend has built, but you're actually on a soul's mission to be a life coach and be a uh, speaker, like a world-renowned speaker and book writer, mm-hmm. you're going to miss that or you're not going to get there. It's going to take you a lot longer because you're so you're looking left and right, backwards, zigzag, instead of in front of you where there's so much opportunity, so many doors opening and you can't see. And I always share the example of Bubble Boy. He's uh, like this movie where he basically has to walk around in this bubble because he has some sort of like illness or something. Hmm. So just imagine you're living in a bubble, right? And the universe or whoever you believe in 
is trying to throw you opportunities. Um, here's abundance, here's clients, here's your partner, here's happiness, here's joy, here's everything you ever desired, but it's throwing it at you. But this bubble is like a plastic bubble. So it just bounces off the bubble and bounces off and you never receive it because you've blocked, you're in this place of contraction to receive until you can pop that bubble, open up your arms and look up rather than constriction or contraction bubble and looking down, you now open, pop the bubble and look up. Holy moly. There are so many opportunities, so many, so much room for everyone to be abundant. So many clients out there, so many partners out there and you're like, whoa, it's a whole new world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. I absolutely love that. So I'm looking at it and I know, like I said, I've known your journey for the last six months or I've seen what I've seen. And it's, there's so much I can relate to in the sense, because so many of your earlier years were very masculine, right? Very much like push hard, do more. That was, that's, and that still is my default. I'm not going to lie. That is still my Mm -hmm. default. Um, but I've really been embracing a lot more about what do I need today? What do I need today for a workout? Some days I do love the barbell. Some days I'm going to stretch for some days I'm going to walk for an hour. I don't, I'm really in this space of what do I need today? And so I can see that in you of you are, you know, as you've really embraced all this part of the healing journey and really come from a space of very definite masculine to adding in the feminine now, would you say that your coaching business has changed and grown so much more because of it? Cause you're now in this space. Yeah, yeah. so much, so much more. Um, most of my mentors are, you know, now so feminine based. Mm-hmm. I thrive in how I receive, how I create, how I speak, how I, my energy shows up mm-hmm. in a place of, more of the feminine flow. Mind you, it is a, it is a dance because I do run a six figure business that I have to, you know, dance back and forth between the structure, Mm -hmm. but I do find I really do well in the, the, the feminine flow. Um, and I'm like, almost like, dang, I have, I need to get a, I have like team members and stuff, but I'm like, I need to have this one team member who can just do all the structured scheduling stuff in all aspects of my life because I no longer like it anymore. I just, I don't. Um, And so, yeah, I would say there's definitely a lot. Most of the women I attract as I coach, which I feel like is a lot of women in this society, patriarchal society, but are women who are um, used to the masculine, Mm -hmm. the do more, be more structure, rigidity, even if it doesn't feel good, do it. Cause it's going to get a success. A success. Okay. And then you're like, oh. you're describing me. Okay. Like that's, <laughs> it's like a, but I, I mean, actually, I think one of our earlier calls, I remember messaging you on the zoom going, Hey, you want to do podcast podcast? Cause I can, so I could so relate to what you were saying, like a hundred percent relate. And I think more and more mm-hmm. women want to learn how to like be in that alignment, be in their energy space. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait, I could actually do this even easier than what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, And I can have more abundance and I can have more fun. I like, what? That's, that's yeah. so strange when you're a person who pushes for so long, you think it has to be this way. And it's still, I still, I would say to in all transparency, I still have moments where I am 
recognizing that like rest is still productive off uh-huh. is still productive. Like in some days I need to be more productive with rest and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I am, I still do too. Like mm-hmm. I always say like, it's, it's deep within. So I got to heal through and, and giving myself or, you know, give up for us, both of us giving ourselves grace when we do drop back into that, do more, be more and, and question why we're there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I still find myself like, oh my God, I have to go to a coffee shop and sit down and do all this work. And even I would say like, was it, I think it was today. Um, I don't have like a lot on my schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been used to going and having like eight hours of calls for Mm -hmm. like the past since January, maybe, I don't know, maybe even since I like started really growing in my business, and so today I was like, oh, I got to make sure I do all this work before. And then I got to do all this work after this podcast. And I like looked at my to-do list and I was like, I don't really have, like have that much to do. What am I talking about? And then, so I had to like check myself and be like, what? Like, I'm so confused. Our default. We have a, like, we have a default that just shows up. And for me, if I don't make my self-care a priority, I go back to default really fast, like really fast if I don't make that stuff a priority. So we were joking this morning because like we're still in full lockdown here. So my husband's been working from the kitchen table or my son's room for the last like 15 months. And um, he was just funny because I was, I took my time this morning. I read like three chapters then I did some journaling and then I took my dog out for 45 minutes and I did a really good workout. And he was joking. He's like, are you working today? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, Tuesdays are my long day. I, I usually have calls until eight o'clock at night on Tuesdays. So I'm like, yes. if I'm going to be going until eight o'clock at night, why do I have to start at nine in the morning or eight in the morning and go uh-huh. all day? And that's been something I'm like, really, I'm just not even, it's not like I'm like trying to make it happen. It's like, no, that's permission. Yeah. Putting that time in here. So if you have to be on for certain periods of time and this coaching field, like I love it to pieces and I love the podcasting. I love everything with it. Um, but you're on, you're very much on and we're on the screen, right? So it's so different, but you have to give yourself, I think that's one of the things I've learned this past even six months is giving myself permission to have downtime for me. And the more I can do things like that, the more I respond better to everything else that's going on. Yes, that's exactly. I'm, I'm the same, same way. Sorry. I've been a slow learner, but I'm coming. It's coming. (laughs) No. I'm the same way. Like it's very much like, Oh, did I work for eight hours? Did I, um, I was even having this conversation with myself. I think it was like yesterday or the day before. And I'm like, Oh, I only, I think I went, I did a late workout yesterday, like had to get my nail fixed. And then I was on this like workshop, but then I had to like, I'm like, Oh, I didn't even work, but I'm like, but then I was working on Saturday. I found myself trying to justify. And I was like, no, like you're still holding up your, you're still holding up your business. You're in a beautiful financial place. Like you're happy. Like it was this thing of we're breaking these societal norms Mm -hmm. and it, who says that it had to be five days a week for eight hours a day? Like who came up with that? Mm -hmm. And (laughs) why does, yeah. Why does that have to be the thing? And so I was listening or I was watching this one, one girl who I really look up to her name is um, Ashe Sundre. I always think, I don't know if I can, if I butcher her name, but um, she talked 
talks about how like her work it like will look different to other like people in the patriarchal society because her work also includes dancing and pleasure mm-hmm. and sensual massage and meditation and sipping her tea because that's how she creates. She's creative in that space and she needs this energy to attract her soulmate clients. She needs it to, or she doesn't need it, but this is how she does it yeah. right yeah. through the pleasure, through the play, through the self-pleasure. And for me, that was such like a because my morning routine like is absurdly long. It's about four and a half hours. Oh, and that's awesome. um, not that it has to be that way, but I've created the space for that. Like I, don't, I usually don't take calls until like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I wake up around six and I do all the things. And so, you know, dropping in the feminine really means like moving through my morning with the utmost like grace and flow and sensuality and, my whole thing right now is how much juiciness, zestiness, pleasure, play, eroticism can I add into my every single day in little pockets, in the morning, at night? And what can I do that wouldn't be the norm? I take baths in the morning. I eat my breakfast naked. I like do things that make me feel so free and so good because that's the life I've created. I I want to be free. I've created this life of freedom, of financial freedom, time freedom, location freedom. Why do I have to have this structure? And even I find myself like sitting at my desk. Okay, got to go to my desk. And I'm like, wait, why can't I take calls from my bed or like lay on my couch or like today I was doing something at my kitchen counter and my feet were like up on the counter next to my, like straddling my laptop. And I was like, ah, oh, this is why I've created my business <laughs> so I could sit absurdly while I work. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love it. And I think I, I thank you for sharing all of that because I always say that everything we create in our business, in our life, like it all comes from us first. So if we want to improve relationships, we want to improve our business, we want to improve, you know, health, any of those things, it comes with us doing the work on ourselves first. And that's like a lifelong journey. It's not as simple as one and done. And I love what you've created and what you're doing. So tell us about the program. I know you're in the middle of it right now, but tell us about what you do with your coaching program and what that looks like. Yeah. So I would say I am a lifestyle elevation and intuitive career coach. Um, and typically really short terms life coach. Uh, I don't like to call myself a life coach necessarily because you're your coach of your own life. I just help you elevate your life. Um, and, I have a program. Well, I have two programs. My overall umbrella is called the Fearless Feminine Project. Underneath that is Finding Fearless Body Love, which is more of a self-guided course. And then I have my mentorship mastermind, which is called Fearless and Flourish. And that is a five-phase program. And um, it is 20 weeks. And basically, it takes you from a place of feeling lost, stuck, unhappy, anxious, overwhelmed, all the things that are coming from a place of contraction Mm -hmm. into a place of 
expansion. So uh, first phase is awareness. Second phase is alleviation. So that's where we start the healing. That's where we start the un, uh, the deprogramming. Um, and then we step into phase three, which is activation. That's where you tail end, start to con- or st- continue with the healing, but then you step into a more amplified, activated version of your essence of your soul. And then phase four is application. So this is where we really start to apply what your dream life looks like. Do you want to create your own business? Do you want to just step into a new career path? Do you want to just change companies in your career path? Like really applying the foundations to your life. And then phase five is actualization. And so that's really like stepping into the most actualized, the highest version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So this five-phase process, I call my ascension method. And it really just helps you own everything in your life, your mind, your body, and your soul, and live the most free, flow, amazing, abundant life um, that your soul is like craving and speaking to. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I I watched you fill your last program to where you wanted to, didn't you? And it was just yeah. exciting because this is the other thing about the containers I've been fortunate enough to be a part of in the last couple of years is truthfully, women are cheering each other on to actually mm-hmm. like, you know, that's, and that's the truth. And so that is what I find myself so surrounded by. So when I do have other comments and comparison, or I'm like, Oh God, that feels terrible. Why are you doing that? Like, that's just not how it's meant to be. And so I've really mm-hmm. seen that. So I just remember you going through this and filling, which is, I love seeing because it shows I find that as you've come through this healing journey and the difference, we have fleeting moments of comparison, all of us do, but I do believe now in a sense, I can look at it and I'm like, that was, she's showing what's possible. She's showing what's possible. She's showing what's possible. I don't have to do it the way she does it, but it's all possible. Like it's all possible. And I think that if we could look at comparison that way more, I think that it would open up so many other doors for us. Yeah. And I love that. And thank you so much. And I, I so agree with you too. And it's like, abundance, when you believe so strong in abundance and you trust your path, like there's plenty of, if you're in the coaching space, clients out there for you, there's plenty of partners out there for you. There's plenty of, there's plenty of money out there for you. Not saying that you're going to, you know, go have all the partners, but you know, there's going to be one that's for you or whatever you believe in. If there's, you want multiple, then there's multiple for you. But um, from that, pre- that, from that perspective is you're not living in scarcity or fear. I feel like comparison is scarcity or fear. Yes. Whereas, um, uplifting or empowering other women on their journey is in a place of, of expansion and freedom. And I even have conversations, like I'll call up to my friend, like my friends and I will be like, you know, I didn't watch your stuff for like a couple of days because you were triggering me, but I realized the reason we were triggering me is because of X, Y, and Z. And really, it really came down to me just wanting the best for you and me doing a little bit more healing within. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets to be like this really vocal, open conversation. And it, it becomes this like uplifting container because you're able to speak so freely about what's transpiring for you. And just like you said, those fleeting moments of comparison is human. 
in. Oh, right. It's our ego coming in to keep us safe. Yeah. And then our soul can step in and be like, whoa, 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 okay, okay. Where's that coming from? What's going on? Type yeah. thing there, you know? 100%. And I always say, like, even if you think you know someone's story, you don't. Like, you don't. Yeah. Like, you just don't ever know their story. I have been and practiced being very vulnerable online with a lot of things about my own life, but I have. I can guarantee you, I have barely shared like the guts and heart. Like, so it's, you don't know yeah. someone's story because you know what they let you see. That's, it's just yeah. really how social media works. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you primarily, I'll make sure all of your stuff is in the show notes, but where do you hang out the most? So mostly on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is Erica Hepperly. And um, that will be in the show notes. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Right. Yeah. And then. Um, I just started to get onto TikTok, so we're stepping into that space. <laughs> um, I've just been taking my reels from Instagram, really, and putting them on TikTok. So, smart, yeah, because people have been saying take your TikTok and put it onto Instagram, but Instagram is not liking it's TikTok unless you remove the band, the branding of it. But yeah. I never thought about going the other way. Yeah, so I just been you post it on. If you post it on to Instagram and then you save, or then you go into your real section and then save it, it'll save yeah. the music and the typing and everything rather than saving it before you post it. Got it. Um, so yeah, TikTok. And then I have a website, which is just healthbyhep.com. And you can see kind of a little bit more about my story. I guess not more. That's more of a concise version. Yeah. Um, and then more about my programs, the body love and the fearless and flourish. And then I am in the process of stay tuned for a membership service that will be coming out um, in the next few months. So subscription service. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Can't wait to hear more about that. That's I love it. I love it. Um, Okay. So two quick questions for you. What you have said it, but I really want you to tie a bow with it is what impact do you want to create in the world? Mm, I want to create breaking societal norms as you follow your soul's whispers and mission and um, assignment and really show that Living as your authentic self, talking freely about what sets your soul on fire, and loving unconditionally will allow you to create a life of magnetism, eroticism, connection, abundance and freedom. Oh, okay. That was absolute gold. So you're definitely going to want to go back and listen to that segment. That was really good. That was really good. I, love that. I, know, I was like, where did that come from? Right? I haven't spoken that before, but I feel like on every level of ex- every level of this path, like my, my impact becomes greater and greater and greater. Mm-hmm. And so every time I get on a, you know, a podcast or I'm sharing my story in a vocal manner, I'm like, it just like have this like expansion in my soul of what I want to do. It used to be just build a coaching business and now it's hire a team. And now it's, um, you know, have a nonprofit to 
bring like alkaline water and health to the third world countries. And then now like I want to um, have like a 3000 woman retreat conference at Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. It just gets like bigger and bigger. And I just keep following it. Like, okay, like here we go. It's on my heart and soul that I'm here for a reason. So yeah, you keep stepping into that next, like you have the vision, you step into it, you have the vision, you step into it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what allows it to keep growing and come to life because you're stepping into it. Like it's nothing changes by watching, nothing changes by thinking, nothing changes by planning. You actually have to step and do. Yes. I would say the best, the best little like nugget I can give is just like messy action. I, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that suffer from perfectionism, um, or like have this, you know, story of perfectionism. I would say that was not something I, um, she was challenged by. So it, it worked for me. I just took action messy when, mm-hmm ever my heart and soul felt like it. Like I was a child that my room was always an explosion and my parents would say it was like a tornado would walk around. Now my place is so clean and I'm way more organized and I got to run a business, but (laughs) stepping into messy action because I was thinking about this little last nugget is when I was creating this program and I was like, Oh, did I forget anything? Did I forget to put something in there? Oh, what if like I didn't put something and I'm like, people that are watching and absorbing, you're, you're sharing what they're supposed to hear mm-hmm. and what they need. And when did you ever take a program from a mentor and say, oh, they missed this? <laughs> like never, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, never. It's no. true. No, it's true. And messy action. I like, I just, I am such a strong proponent of messy action. I say it all the time with my clients. It's like, once you do that, then you'll see, you can then get feedback. Did that work? Did it not work? Okay. What's the feedback? Do I want to do more of that? Do I not want to do that? And we don't know until we actually start. And I think as soon as we start is when so many other doors can start to open up. Yeah. 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 You I don't know what you don't know until you know, until you know, <laughs> I, I love that. That could be a title. Um, I want to know, first off, I've loved this conversation. I thank you so much for sharing so real and vulnerably with everyone, because I know there's so many people who are going to take away lessons and things that you've shared. So thank you for that. And yeah, my last question is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? What lesson in life am I most grateful for? I always feel like there's so many lessons Mm -hmm. and my ego always wants to come up with like the most perfect answer. It's always the first answer. It's like, I just always say, yeah, I know. And I know that's why I asked this question because it's like deep down, what are you most grateful for? What lesson? You've always been home. Mm. You've always been home in your body. Mm-hmm. You've always been home in your life. No matter what troubles, pains, challenges you've gone through, they're perfectly curated for your purpose, for you to share your gifts with the world. And so I always say your troubles turn into triumphs and your pains turn into your purpose. So, yeah. 
you've always been home. I always used to reach outward. Mm-hmm. What mentor is going to help me be better? What outfit? What this? What material thing? What man? Everything, right? Until I realized I've always been here. I've never left. Mm-hmm. I've been here. Yeah, you've always been home. You you are home. You are home. You are home. That is, that is awesome. That is beautiful. I love it. It's a perfect tie up to this episode. So thank you so much for being here, Erica. I absolutely love the conversation. Me too. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Such a great conversation. Oh, loved it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.